Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are just as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They're milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Joan Bacon-Bursey, meteorologist from the National Weather Service. Betches Media presents... Donald Trump was a, a stain on our country. I am someone's daughter, too. That's what I so help me God. Congratulations, Mr. President. The Betches Sup Podcast. Mr. Vice President, I'm speaking. Hello, I'm Amanda Duberman. And I'm Caitlin Bird. And this is the Betches Up Podcast, where Twitter meets the group chat to help you process and laugh at the biggest topics in U.S. news and politics. That very brief clip you just heard was June Bacon Bercy. She was the first black weather woman on television, and she just had like the most interesting life. She got her start when she had to go on the air because the normal reporter robbed a bank and got arrested, which just is like such a perfect metaphor for women having to fill in when men fuck shit up. And then she went on to start a scholarship fund for women in the atmospheric sciences with money she won on a game show. She won $64,000 on that show, like the $100,000 question, and she used it to start a scholarship fund. And she died in February of last year. But she was very, very cool. She refused to be called a weather girl. She reportedly hated that. I would never let anybody call her that. Very reasonably. Yes. Uh, <laughs> we're going to talk about some weather today. Uh, so for today's episode, we're going to talk a bit about the Texas blackouts, but we're going to zoom out slightly and discuss, you know, what it does and doesn't symbolize about Americans' relationship with government, some of the systemic failures here. We're not experts, so I don't need to go through and explain to you what happened, but um, that will sort of come up in our discussion. So some background here. Millions across the South and Northwest are still without power in frigid temperatures following power outages related to overworked energy sources. So Texas, which unlike most states does not share energy resources with neighboring ones and has largely deregulated its electric system, has been hit especially hard, as we know. People have been left without heat for days. Groceries are really hard to come by. I saw some lines that I would not have waited in, um, but I, I mean, I don't know what the alternative is, I guess. Already 26 people are dead, but there are obviously fears of a nightmarish scenario, given that there are obviously, Texas is a huge state with a huge number of people. The more people you have, the more elderly and vulnerable people you will have stuck in their homes without heat. I just read that Austin Energy told customers they could be out of power for another week which is just really hard to think about. So the state's governor, Greg Abbott, has spent most of his time pointing fingers at Texas's electric grid and blaming it and not the government. Let's listen to what he was saying on Fox News last night as his constituents were freezing, some unfortunately possibly to death. Sean, this shows how the Green New Deal would be a deadly deal for the United States of America. Texas is blessed with multiple sources of energy, such as uh, natural gas and oil uh, and nuclear, as, as well as uh, solar and wind. Uh, but you saw from what Trace said, uh, and that is our wind and our solar got shut down, and, and they were uh, collectively more than 10 percent of our power grid. And that thrust Texas into a situation where it was lacking power in a statewide basis uh, that was power that was spread out by that ERCOT organization, or organization that you were talking about. As a result, uh, it just shows 
that fossil fuel is necessary uh, for the state of Texas as well as other states to make sure that we were, uh, will be able to heat our homes in the wintertime and cool our homes in the summertime. <sighs> that was last night. He, saw, he called the Green New Deal a deadly deal. Last night. <laughs> It's not even instant. It's like the amazing thing about it. It's just all culture war all the way down where they're already using this as a way of, uh, instead of like addressing the problem, which, you know, I, I guess that's the problem with everything, which we're going to talk about, but instead of addressing the problem, the immediate answer for Republicans is to scapegoat something that they do not want to make political progress and whether that's like it comes down to people it comes down to whatever but like it it's always about demonizing something that they don't want to change and green new deal's not even a thing that's yes. no one's implemented no one, anything it's been three we have not even have we had a full three weeks i think it might have been this might be week three since we changed presidential administrations what what the what like Nothing here is happening. We, we, we I just no don't understand why the, the last night was the night he decided to go on a PR campaign for fossil fuels. Let's clarify something also. Wind power did not cause the blackouts. Wind power is not to blame. The primary cause of the outage is freezing issues at coal, nuclear, natural gas plants, coupled with a limited supply of natural gas. And as we mentioned, just some interesting, uh, ta- interesting approaches that the state takes to regulating its electric system. Wind energy actually surpassed daily production forecasts over the past weekend. So with wind... What they expected might happen with wind energy is what happened. It lived up to predictions and was predictable. It's what they didn't predict with coal and gas that caused the problem. So people are sort of looking at this as a perfect example of American government's failures. But in this case, it's really, you know, the government choosing not to act over a long period of time when it couldn't. There are some on, you know, liberal Twitter, and this has died down, but that have gleefully pointed out that this proves America is like a third world country, a failed state, can't keep our population warm or fed, which is like, was that news to you? Yeah. So what I wanted to talk about today was kind of how these compounding failures have made the Texas situation so devastating and why there's been such a strong reaction. Of course, not to undermine what's happening there. It's devastating. But just for some context, the weather in Detroit today is 14 degrees. 30% of Detroit residents live below the poverty line. It's the second poorest city in the country. The first poorest city in the country is actually Cleveland with 31% of its residents living below the poverty line. And it's 18 degrees there right now. In a lot of places, it's illegal to turn off the heat between November and March, but that's not always enforced. That's in theory for a lot of places and people. Landlords might just assume you won't complain. There are many reasons you might go without heat, and obviously being unhoused is a huge one. Public housing in New York is constantly failing to provide heating for residents in the winter. So people being cold in America in the winter, like deathly cold, is not new. Why do you think people are reacting like this now? Oh, man. I mean, I think that there's like multiple reasons, right? There's the climate crisis itself, which like you this is one of those clear emblematic snow and freezing temperatures in Texas that just seems so insanely obvious that something has gone horribly wrong with our climate. This is not something that normally gets prepared for that. They have no winter weatherization in Texas 
for obvious reasons in the fact that, like, when has there been winter weather in Texas? Meaningful winter weather where, like, it, temperatures in the teens. Like, what, what are we normally talking about? Maybe, like, 30s mm-hmm. would be a normal Texas winter at, at the bottom. And now you've got temperatures well below freezing. Um and I think the other thing is, is that listen to those two, sp- those two places, Detroit, Cleveland, both have significant black populations. We've seen with Flint that people don't care um, when <laughs> it's mostly black people bearing the burden of um, suffering. And in this particular case, you're seeing a very large state, which yes, does have a significant black population, which is all, again, being underserved already inside Texas. But just visibly, it is affecting such a broad swath of Texans that it's uh, unbelievable. I mean, we've got people who generally think of are, are generally middle class who cannot maintain power. And our power grid, our electrical grid, that's the next thing. Losing power in this, electricity is the difference between modern society and, and it, is, it is just everything. We do everything with electricity. Most people can't survive for very long without the the power with the power turned off. Like we just designed our society to require electricity to survive, and so all of our survival is predicated on it. So I think when you have all of those together, climate, you know, uh, groups that are normally more visible, and uh, the reality of you know power basically being modern society, mm-hmm. all three at once compounding in a place where. It shouldn't be happening in theory. Right. Yeah, it reminds me of the pandemic in the sense that it's something that you can't buy your way out of and it will impact you. If you don't have power, you don't have power. I'm sure some people might have like generator resources, but my sense from people on the ground is that nobody is really able to escape this. If you don't have power, you're not getting it back anytime soon. People are still having medical emergencies at their houses and they can't get to the hospital. That's, that's another huge part of this is that people can't get places because they don't know what to do with the roads. They're not prepared for this. People can't get to their loved ones, who their parents, um, people that are older or need medical care, they can't get to them to bring them to the hospital or to bring them to them or make sure they're okay. Today's episode of American Fever Dream is brought to you by Newly. Have you ever felt that fast fashion ick, but can't always afford the super high-end stuff? I have a solution for you. It's Newly. Newly has everything you need to bring your closet up to speed for the season without breaking the bank. Free your closet of impulse purchases and skip the buyer's remorse by renting instead. Newly is a subscription rental service, and for just $98 a month, you get your choice of any six styles. They also have inclusive sizing, up to 5X, as well as petite and maternity. You get fast, free shipping and returns and professional cleaning and newly state-of-the-art laundering facility. No laundry for you to worry about. This is the best. You just put it back in your box, send it out, and before you know it, you've got your next one. And you always have the option to buy what you love for sometimes up to 75% off. I bought the Rachel Antonoff pasta puffer from them. I was obsessed with it, like everybody who tries it is, and it was completely sold out everywhere else. So I felt like I really, really had an in there. So thank you, Newly. Newly is an amazing value at $98 a month for any six styles. And right now you can get $20 off your first month of Newly when you sign up with the code FeverDream20. Just go to N-U-U-L-Y.com. That's Newly with two U's and enter the code FeverDream20 and sign up to get $20 off your first month. 
That's N-U-U-L-Y.com, Newly with two U's with code FEVERDREAM20. Newly subscription clothing rental, change your clothes. In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 5% off your first purchase with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for 5% off your first purchase. To think about if this really does last another week, what we could find at the end of it is really, I was going to say chilling, but is really scary. Yeah. I mean, it's terrifying just how, how easy it was to just pull. It was like the entirety of our society has been constructed like a Jenga tower uh, in, you know, at at 2 AM. Like we're all very drunk at this point. We've been just playing Jenga. It's fine. Everything's yeah. great. And then it turned out that those were laws and those were all the lawmakers <laughs> and they were just like constructing society. They were like, I don't know what happened. I pull this one. What did it take that one? Take that one. Take that one. Take that one out. Oh, and then like, right in the middle. like oh shit, you guys fell over. Right. It's, it's like, like in- instead of taking the top piece off when you were sober at 8 p.m., you took the middle piece out when you were wasted at two in the morning. Yes. That's where we always are. It's like we talk about how healthcare in this country is messed up because we rely on emergencies. That's just like America now. Nothing works until there's emergency. Everything is a 911 at every stage. I mean, people with chronic health conditions that require electronic devices, refrigerated medicine, poverty causes chronic health conditions. Our healthcare system is abysmal. No one gets the preventative care that they need. Like even in a perfect society, of course, there will always be people in poor health that are more vulnerable when this type of things happen. But yeah, this entire situation is just another sign, much like the pandemic, that we are always treating the bleeding instead of preventing it. And it's even more scary because during the pandemic, I think people had a lot more faith in local and state level leaders. And here in Texas, one of our biggest states, just completely dropping the ball and blaming each other. Well, state governments have been, you know, they call them laboratories of democracy. Uh, North Carolina has been in the violent animal testing phase for a long Jesus. time, if that's the case. <laughs> <laughs> It's a lab of democracy. Some crazy shit is going on yeah. there. Someone's got to go check in. Texas, <laughs> I don't even know if they've been it's unethical at this point. They, they to test things care. out there. Texas hasn't put regulations on their actual literal laboratories, let alone the laboratory of democracy space. You know, I have friends from Texas, um, and I mean, understanding Texas politics is is a lifetime. It is a totally. That's a job. Um, that's but. You know, uh, the the truth is, is that like the state level has been screwed for a really long time. There's a, a tremendous amount of state level gerrymandering, state level pressure to maintain a Republican um, majority. Um, suburbs are still extremely conservative. Um, you know, there's just like this whole it's been done and it, it doesn't need to be changed kind of yeah. uh, mentality. There are lots of people who are organizing against that. So just want to be clear, that is not, that's not me characterizing the entire state of Texas. That is just me summing up the results uh, as they are right now. 
um, and, and the kind of mentality that led to, you know, that not, it's not, it hasn't been dislodged yet. It's mm-hmm. possible that this could do it, but I think the bigger problem, uh, something that I've identified going back before 2016 is just people just don't connect, um, they don't connect this to politics. They don't connect this to policy. They don't, there's no cause and effect. There's a missing link between I am struggling and the government is responsible for this. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that has a lot to do with American isolation. Uh, we don't recognize that other countries have more complex systems and that this is not how life is. Right. And you can, I mean, if, if you have a passport, great. You experienced other countries where it's like, oh man, I, you know, broke my hand or something when I was out in, you know, Austria skiing or mm-hmm. I don't know what people do in the <laughs> country, whatever, you know, like I went to the UK for two months. Um, you know, it was, it was fun, but I didn't need any medical treatment. Thank goodness. Yeah. But if I had, it would have been basically, I would have paid a bill to the NIH and, you know, national NHS. Um, and it would have worked itself out, you know, like I wouldn't have had to suffer some massive right. bill. And that's just normal here, as you pointed out, to such a degree that people don't even realize there's an alternative a lot of the times. Yeah, I think that's true. Did you see the mayor of a town in Texas who had stepped down because he wrote this like rambling Facebook message that was like, or Facebook post that was like, what's your problem? Like, what, what, why do you want a handout? Like, make your own power. Literally, he was just raging against people that dared to ask for any assistance. And it wasn't even like, it was just like a rugged, it was rugged individualism, but to like an extreme. And yes, he stepped down. It's probably a small town in Texas, but like this man got elected at some point by people who think that that's the right approach. My favorite part is that his wife lost her job afterwards and he was all like, you can't just take things from people. I was just like, did did you just like hear yourself? Right. He's like, how dare this has affected my livelihood. You're responsible entirely, but he's owed a livelihood from his wife's job. That, that balance, the, the sense of entitlement that has been cultivated by um, the American elite. And that's a broad swath, but I would say the upper quintile is sitting atop just a, a quality of life that just shuts out any possibility. You, you just don't understand what it's like to have to to figure out how to survive. I mean, uh, I've I've lived without running water in New York. Like that's a real thing. That's the nature of poverty is that sometimes you don't have water. I've lived without power and electricity at the same time. That was summer, that was not fun. (laughs) These experiences, like they just create a mental space where you just, the instinct is for those people to be like, well, why can't you just there's got to be some, I mean, uh, have you asked someone for, and it's like, no, there's no extra magical well of money. There's no mysterious generator that's going to pop up in the middle right. of the night. There's, there's no, the, the way that they solve things has just, is just not available to most people. And the awareness of that is so limited. And so you get people who say things like, you should ask for a, the government to do anything when the government systems have failed. Power, mm-hmm. electricity, no matter how much you deregulate it, that is a fundamental of human society now. So the government's naturally involved. 
Yes. And the government's involved even when their hands are off of things. I think we don't talk about that enough with deregulation, but like the government is also making a choice when it chooses not to touch something. You right, know? and it that looks like that's is, what happened here. That's exactly what's happened. And, you know, deregulated energy markets were the thing that led to Gray Davis being ousted by Arnold Schwarzenegger. Um, to go back to Enron, does anyone remember Enron? Is that just me? Okay, fine. Um, but Enron basically had had pushed for deregulation of California's energy markets, and they had, again, rolling blackouts that were really based on, you know, uh, Enron messing with the derivatives market, uh, buying and selling energy, and deciding that it was better to turn off, um, you know, energy sources and, and power stations um, because it made their their trading more valuable. Mm-hmm. And now we're looking at Texas and it's like, you chose not to regulate a utility. You took yourself off the national grid so the feds couldn't even regulate you and make sure that everything was secure. So, you know, Abbott can run around yelling at wind turbines all he wants, literally, but like... Yeah, Greg Abbott, I also... I have a friend who uses a wheelchair to, and she needs elevators. Greg Abbott uses a wheelchair. We've talked about this before on the podcast where it's like Greg Abbott is part of the population that is incredibly left incredibly vulnerable by some of the things that have happened in this country. And I don't know if we're allowed to expect more from him, but it's empathy is, is a very powerful tool in politics um, you do see people move once they experience something themselves. It is perhaps one of the most powerful tools. I mean, I don't love hearing Republicans say like, oh, well, I guess if that happened to my daughter, we should have more sexual assault regulation. I don't love that if, if everyone's a person and has value and just exists. But we do see when empathy is involved, it can really move people. So it's really, it's like, damn, even this time, like, what do we do when that doesn't even work? What do we do, Caitlin, when like, People don't feel any need. To, people feel like they don't owe anything to one another. I don't know how we overcome that. Um, yeah, as a black person, still working on that. <laughs> still working on uh, on on when America will find empathy. Right. <laughs> Looking forward to that. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, emp- empathy. Of course, you you want people. You don't want people to suffer. But suffering is one of those universals, right? Uh, you know, life is suffering, et cetera, if you're going to pull from other traditions. Um, but the, that's what generates our understanding of the world is the challenges that we go through. And there are some people for whom many of the rough edges of those challenges are smoothed out. As I said, they live in a place where solutions are just a matter of wanting things. And... Abbott in particular, I mean, in, in the entire mentality, I mean, the one way of doing it, um, of cutting off empathy is to, to have those rough edges mostly sanded for you. Um, that is not to say that he doesn't have struggles, obviously. You know, um, he's a wheelchair user. Um, I'm sure people have threatened to punch him. I mean, I'm sure there's, there's that <laughs> make his life difficult. People, me, no. people, someone, maybe. Um, no, but, but, you know, obviously he's gone, he's gone through things, but the other side of that is recognizing that the people who are suffering are human 
And America's got a great track record of telling themselves that yeah. the people that suffering of some people is not only um, is not only going to happen inevitable, but that it is in, intrinsically good. That if those people don't suffer, they're not going to for, perform their role in society. And that is to suffer and die. Like there are some people who just need to suffer so that other people can live great lives. And that's just how the whole country is set up. And you can hear that from that guy, the, the mayor mm-hmm. from America, who was like, you don't understand. If you need something, it's because you deserve to have it taken away from you. If you don't already have it, that's because you are in the category of people who deserve suffering. And at this point, I mean... He took it to such an extreme. like, you want running water? Go out and work for him. Like, this, sir, this, it is 2021. How individualistic are we supposed to get? Yeah, I mean, he's straight up, like, I don't know, frontier shit, like, 1870. Right. Like, like he's like know, a prepper. The, this, this is Oregon Trail shit. Like, he's, he wants you to ford the river with your oxen and avoid dysentery. <laughs> What's the problem? <laughs> Sounds fun. It's a fun adventure. (laughs) Have your covered wagons. So what can we do? Um, I posted some mutual aid funds and those are really important. You know, obviously to the extent that you can check in on people. Um, I can't really imagine how this feels for people who have already been isolated alone and now are doing so without power or heat. Um, I, can't, I, can't, I have no words. Um, that's completely devastating. And I hope that there are mental health resources. But as you said, like, you can't charge your phone. You can't talk to friends and family. You can't talk to your therapist. If you don't, I know some people are able to charge their phones in their cars for brief periods if you don't have a car. So also, I think, go ahead. Please do not, under any circumstances, get into your car in the garage and run. Just, I know. Not that even with the door um, open. Yeah, like carbon monoxide poisoning has been going up a bunch in texas it is very dangerous right now i understand that people are cold and you can definitely use your car but please make sure the exhaust pipe is clear keep a window cracked somewhere so that way you can release air and please do not do it in enclosed spaces so if you have an open garage or you just have like a covering that's safe to run your car but please do not do it in a, in a closed garage that's that's just me just tossing that out there for yeah. people. I saw um, Andy Andy Bashir, the Kentucky governor, on TV, and he was like, "We did not just go through a pandemic for you people to die of carbon monoxide poisoning. Please, <laughs> please." <sighs> also, I think a big part of this is obviously going to be demanding acknowledgement of climate change. Um, we're still obviously the role of climate change here. There are many levels. It worsened the storm, and Texas wasn't prepared for this storm. As you mentioned at the beginning, Caitlin, it was looking at historical trends, and there didn't seem to be much consideration for the fact that we're trending towards harsher and harsher winters in Texas. So they had planned for the worst-case scenario that they had already seen happen, not a worst-case scenario in 2021. And clearly, to me, that just clearly indicates nobody wants to take climate change seriously. It's not a serious factor in how Texas is approaching what it's what it's doing without even considering changing the energy sources it's like they weren't even factoring it in to their preparations which is out of control no salt no no, i mean pipes have burst inside houses i I just want to say like for anybody who can figure out someplace else to be if megachurches still have 
the lights on, like seriously, just if there's a enough of you, that's the house of God. Apparently, so <laughs> find, find find some shelter because, like, all I'm saying is, like, please do not stay in places where pipes have burst. You are in incredible danger. It could collapse floors, ceilings. It's not safe. Do you will you know if your pipes have burst? Yeah, I okay. I was on uh, Twitter and I saw somebody who saw, was showing icicles from their um from their their ceiling fan and I was like that's a burst pipe that is okay it was just yes. like the entire hallway was just covered in icicles and I was like no baby no get out <laughs> like that's a burst pipe in your ceiling if you have icicles dripping from your ceiling fan like when it warms up or electricity comes back on you're looking at a short fires potential like flooding not potential and there's gonna be flooding inevitable flooding like this is a really scary place for a lot of people a lot of pipes are bursting because they weren't weatherized against the cold mm. you know there's a lot of infrastructure you know all those infrastructure weeks under the trump <laughs> admin and we somehow missed like <laughs> the winterizing texas in there but you know at least you've got some chain link fencing on the southern border to prevent I know. Yeah, exactly. From getting into the country, you guys. Uh, yeah, they won't have to worry. They, they can. They'll. Can, they can have power and stay there. So, until the end of democracy, I'm Amanda Duberman. I'm Caitlin Bird, and this is the Betches Up Podcast. The Betches Up Podcast is produced by Amanda Duberman, Jorge Morales Pico, and Sean Kilby. Social media by Amanda Duberman. Artwork by Brittany Levine. Our podcast director is Sean Kilby. Be sure to follow us at Betches underscore SUP on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And send your emails to SUPPod at Betches.com. Betches. Betches.